Welcome to the fourth episode of Movie Dudes. Uh, my name is Phil. My name's Alec. And this week we're talking about Bong Joon Ho's first big success, Memories of Murder. Alright, so Memories of Murder is uh, a film, as I said, directed by Bong Joon Ho uh, back in 2003. So uh, Bong Joon Ho, for those who don't know, is obviously the guy who um, almost two years ago won. Uh, the Academy Award for Best Picture uh, with Parasite, and he was that actually was that actually two years ago now? Oh, uh, I th- no, it nearly. was a year, nearly. It was a year and a half. Yeah, that's yeah. still that's still too long. It still doesn't feel like it was that yeah. long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so Memories of Murder is before he made Parasite. Memories of Murder was considered as like his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing film, and I'm really happy to be talking about that one today. Um, so should we just go through like the 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 actual plot of the film? Yeah, that sounds that sounds good to me. All right. So this film is kind of like a historical film. Uh, it's about basically the what's considered as the first serial killer in South Korea, uh, who basically was a guy um, who raped and killed 10 women. And, well, yeah, he was basically the first big serial killer in South Korea. And the film basically follows three detectives who try to figure out who the killer is and try to catch him. Um, So the... The film mainly follows uh, one of the de- detectives who... Uh, I forgot his name. Hold on, let me just pull out the... Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at uh, remembering uh, Korean names uh, right. in general, but... Um, Hold on. on one second, I can... I'll look it up in my, in my DVD case that I yeah. have right here. <laughs> yeah, because we, uh, we, we both got the, the Criterion... Uh, edition of the film which came out a few months ago mm-hmm. yeah uh, the the uh, I guess I don't know who would you say is like I don't know the main character I, well, I mean it's the it's, it's the two main guys it's well more than that I'd say it's um, uh, the on Google it says his name is Park Du Man which is uh, the, the character played by uh, Kang uh Song, uh, Song Kang Ho, who um, yeah. a lot of people will know as the the father in Parasite, who's um, an actor that I discovered through Bong Joon Ho's movies, since he's done a, a bunch of a bunch of films with him, and he's just such a fantastic actor. He's incredible. Like he's he's, he's really good. He's yeah. so good. I've only seen him in you know obviously Parasite and this because I haven't seen any of other any other of mm-hmm. Bong's films, uh, but. He was great in Parasite, but he's like insane in this one. Yeah, you should so see good. him. You should see him in uh, Snowpiercer because he mm. he doesn't have a really major role. He's more like a uh, you know just a side character. But he the, his character is just so different from his characters in Parasite and um, and Memories of Murder. He's a lot more serious, and I think it's uh, you know just shows the range of the range of his acting. Yeah. I found out, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. I got my 
syllabus this week for my film for one of my film classes, and I learned that we'd be watching, uh, among other films, we're going to be watching Snowpiercer. Oh, uh, for the class. nice. Other Dude. films we're going to be watching is um, uh, The Lighthouse, which I'm really excited to revisit. Ooh, that one's good. And uh, and Rushmore <clears throat> and Rushmore. Mm-hmm. All right. Which which I also have the criterion of. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, to kind of just continue the, with the with the plot, uh, what I was gonna say is, uh, Song Kang Ho's character is kind of basically the main character of the film, and he he's basically the best way to say it is he's a pretty bad detective. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, I mean he he's really focused on like the the wrong things. Um, for a part of the film, he's really like, um, he's got this whole idea of, oh, we didn't find any hair in the crime scene, so the guy's probably hairless, like, he doesn't have any, uh, pubic hair. And so he goes... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, he goes to like a bathhouse and is like, yeah, inve- into like just looking at people's junk to figure out like who's the <laughs> who's the murderer. But yeah, he he's more he's more what you would just call like kind of a dirty cop. Is he like yeah. Like uh, well, like that's kind of the institution of that police station. It seems is that like they get uh, witnesses and then they you know just beat the hell out of him in the basement until <laughs> they basically say like yeah. yeah I did it I did it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, other than being, you know, morally questionable as a cop, he doesn't have exactly great, like, as you say, detective skills because he, he begins the film by saying he has like, uh, what people call shaman eyes, which is, uh, (laughs) which he says is he can look into like, he, if he looks into the eyes of someone, he can immediately like figure out if they did the crime or not. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um... So it's him, another another detective whose name is uh, uh, Park. I'm gonna try to pronounce it correctly. Park Hyun Gyu, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, basically his thing is he loves to drop kick people. Oh my god, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so it's how, every so, time. Yeah, he's he's like transferred in from a uh, soul, right? No, that's uh, that's the other guy. Oh yeah, that's the other guy. But yeah, this yeah. detective, uh, if you watch, no, I believe someone counted it's like maybe six times in this two-hour-long movie. He yeah. immediately enters a enters a moment by drop kicking someone, and it's kind of incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I think I've never seen a film with that much drop kicking. No, never. And I kind of I kind of <laughs> love that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so that's basically his thing is, uh, he, he's the detective, the kind of detective who likes to beat people up. Uh, it's kind of like all he does in the entire film. Mm-hmm. And, um, about, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes into the film, there's another detective who arrives from Seoul, who's really interested into the case and wants to, you know, help out and wants to figure out who the killer is. And he's a lot more... He's a much better cop than the other guys. Um, he's much more, like... He's much more methodical. He... Yeah. He goes by, like... You know, if documents say it, it's... I believe he's quoted as saying, like, if it's in... Mm-hmm. If it's in writing, it's correct. He, he says, I think the... He says, like, documents never lie. That, I think that's what Yeah, he documents says. never lie. That's his, mm-hmm. that's his, like, motto throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Pretty um, much. But, yeah, so... The... So yeah, this is based off of um, 
yeah like a like as you said like a a serial murder in like the 80s of um yeah. in south korea and we open the film with uh song kang ho that's his name right the like, well, that's Tango. the actor yeah yeah, that's the actor. I'm just gonna refer to him as that because I don't, I don't remember yeah. his cop name, his mm-hmm. character name. But yeah, uh, so song is like investigating uh, this like irrigation pit where he finds uh, a you know a dead body, and we 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 soon learn that like this has been happening recently. Where like dead women will be showing up in like fields, uh, and so you know obviously that that begins like their interrogation process or like detect trying to find clues and stuff and then the guy from soul comes and that's yeah that's pretty much the start mm-hmm. um yeah and then so at one point in the film uh song kang ho is talking to his uh his girlfriend and she mentions mm. how there's um, there's like this creepy kid who's always following girls um and so he immediately thinks of him as like a uh, a very important su- a suspect, and he becomes yeah, basically a... the 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 first suspect of the film. Yeah, he and, immediately uh, beelines towards that kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know they 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 keep him in the the, the police center for like uh, a couple. I, I assume a couple of days where they just interrogate him and until he basically. I think they even say at some point that they reverse uh, rehearse him saying, uh, like how he's the he's the murderer and how he did it and everything. Yeah, they like yeah they keep him down there for a while and then they bring him out uh, to the woods to try and force a confession out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's revealed that it was kind of rehearsed, but not really, yeah. because he starts to. He starts to say like, "Yeah, I did it," and like all, and like describes the entire like murder and stuff, and uh, and this will become important later. But he also says things that, uh, you know, that the police didn't tell him about the murder, mm-hmm. which, you know, not important now, but it will come back. Right. Um. So he's once um. Once the detective from Seoul comes in, it, it basically the kid is like kind of cleared of it. Like it's just like we we've we've held on to this kid for long enough. He definitely yeah. wasn't the guy who did it because well, his the, hands he, mm-hmm. he has he has, he yeah, has like hands, yeah, yeah he has like webbed hands and every one of the girls was tied with very like was like tied and bound with really complicated knots. So there's no way it could have been him. So they just mm-hmm. send him back home. Um, yeah. Then they get to the second suspect that they find, which I think is he the one that they find in the woods. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Song Kang Ho and the uh, in the name of the in uh, the other detective whose name is kind of escaping me right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They they go and just kind of like check out the area where uh the most recent murder at that time happened which was just some yeah just some random girl uh in the middle of a forest they you know they come in they see they just kind of look around but then they hear start to hear footsteps behind them and it's the detective from Seoul uh and both of those 
you know, both of them are kind of unaware that they're that either of them are there, so they hide as they hear someone else approaching. It's just this random guy wearing uh, red lace underwear, like like with like frills, uh, mm-hmm. and he starts uh, he starts masturbating in the woods uh, to the scene <laughs> of the crime. Yeah, so and he also so- brings like. Uh underwears like yeah uh, he brings yeah. Uh, panties and and a bra which he puts on the floor and stuff mm-hmm. jerking off to that yeah so you know obviously they're just kind of like oh that that might be him so yeah song kang ho readjusts his foot and kind of crunches on some branches mm-hmm. uh which you know starts a big chase scene where they eventually catch up with the guy and interrogate him and there's not really much that comes of that one. They just kind of, they they kind of figure out like, oh, he's just he's just a weirdo. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's just a guy. He's just a guy who wanted to go jerk off in the woods to um, yeah. to a murder victim. He's yeah. He's a guy who's got weird like, uh, uh, well, what's the word for like when you're into something like sexually. oh fetish. Fetish. Uh, fetish, yeah. He's got weird, weird uh, fetishes. Yeah, so and, you know uh, they mm-hmm. they abandon that one pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, while they're at the police station, uh, I do not remember her name, but it's another it's another female yeah. detective. She uh, she brings up the fact that on every rainy night, that or so yeah, this has been this was already established that every rainy night is when someone is murdered. She brings up that one of her favorite uh, radio programs, uh, on every rainy night, the same song uh, is being played by uh, someone who just goes uh, just goes by the name of like you know like a lonely person. It's the mm-hmm. same song that is played during that hour, which is when people are murdered. So, you know that starts. You know, obviously, at first she's brushed off, but the detective from Seoul is like, no, this might be something. So yeah. this is where we get to our third suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the, yeah, well, so the guy ma- kind of matched all the, the descriptions that they had of the uh, potential mm-hmm. killer really well. And unlike the, um, the other guys, that one is a lot more... I, I don't know. I feel like he's less scared of the detectives. Very much so. He's very yeah. much like, like all the rest of them. Like the the first one was, you know, he was just a kid, so he was like, he wasn't like terrified of the detectives, but he was just kind of. Well, yeah. he was scared of them, but he also like didn't really fully understand what was going on. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. He didn't really fully mm-hmm. understand what he was being questioned for, and yeah. the second guy was just scared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know they. So this this guy is very like stoic. So immediately, mm-hmm. they kind of show interest in him. It's like that's, you know that that's probably the guy that did it because he fits everything. He lives mm-hmm. in the area. He works near, like he works in a factory that's near the site of a lot of the murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the guy. He's definitely the guy who sent in all of those requests for that song on yeah. those rainy nights. So he fits and, yeah. everything that they have. Um, but they take, so yeah, they take a, like a, a DNA, uh, uh, sample from one of the crime scenes and they take some of 
this guy's DNA and send it mm-hmm. over to America since they don't have, you know, the kind of forensics needed to yeah. do that kind of work. And so, uh, immediately after that, uh, I remember, I don't quite remember what the reason for it was. Um, oh yeah, so the, the detective from Seoul goes to, uh, goes to, like, a high school where, um, he, basically they hear this rumor mm-hmm. that, like, at, at this, at this high school, there's, um... There's like a, I, I think they hear it from a kid, right? Isn't it like a childhood, right. it's, like it's playground rumor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they hear a rumor that they're that like the person who murders all the kids is, or all the all the girls is uh, living in the, in one of the uh, school's bathrooms or something. So yeah. he, you know, he's just like that's probably not true, but I'm gonna go anyway. So he goes and investigates, finds nothing. Uh, and uh, meets a girl and walks her to the nurse's office where he puts a Band-Aid on her uh, and then kind of leaves. Uh, I wanted to highlight that scene because it becomes important later. Yeah. Uh, but I just... And I, I, and I also just think it's a good scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Um, then, after this, he ends up meeting a uh, an- another victim... I think, yeah, they say it's another victim of the serial killer, but who survived. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and so they uh, interrogate her, kind of trying to find more clues of trying to find out who the guy is. Unfortunately, she was like, uh, uh, she she couldn't see him. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't really uh, help them that much. Well, it helps them a bit, but... Yeah, it helps them a bit with, like, you know, certain things about the guy, but mm-hmm. doesn't help him really in the end. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess this just brings us to the ending, right? Right. I think so. So, uh, so, okay. He goes to, um, so they get, they get a report called in that there's, you know, been another body found, uh, the detective from Seoul decides to go investigate on his own and discovers that the body is that of the girl that he helped at the nurse's office at the school. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he basically decides to like forego everything that he knows. He goes to the suspect's house and like just immediately like beats him and takes him to these uh, train tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is followed by uh, Song Kang uh, Ho. And they, you know, he's basically, you know, beating the crap out of him. Song comes in with the uh, the reports, or the report from, you know, the United States about, um, you know, the DNA samples. Uh, you know, okay, so the detective from Seoul opens it up, and he realizes, or and he reads it and finds out that it, it's not him. No. The DNA so, no results, match. they're not a match for suspect number three. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes him lose his mind because that was all they had yeah. in terms of a lead on the case. So he he just kind of walks away from him to grab uh, his gun. Uh, and in the meantime, Song Kang-ho is looking, is looking at him trying to 
for one last time trying to use his shaman eyes on the guy to try and figure mm-hmm. out if he did it. Yeah. Uh, and he also prevents the detective from soul from shooting suspect number three. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that exact moment, uh, we get my absolute favorite part of the movie where, where, you know, song King, I was just looking into this dude's eyes for like a minute. And then he just says, I don't know. And then yeah. he lets him go. And Such a then, good scene. oh my god, it's. And then he just, yeah, he lets him, he lets him go, and that's where the, that's where, the the account of the murders ends. Yeah. But then we're treated and, to, uh, mm-hmm. or do, do you want to take this part? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. Uh, yeah. So then we have the last scene of the film, which is a scene that I really like, and I go mm. to. I'm gonna go into more details later. Because uh, I have actually quite a few things to say about this particular scene. Um, but so this is a scene that takes place in 2003 when the film came out. And uh, so basically this shows uh, Sung Kang-ho, who's now a father of two kids and who works... He's not a detective anymore. He works in uh, kind of like just... He, he sells things. I don't know exactly what his job is. He's just um, a salesman. Yeah. And so he's talking on the phone, uh, driving to, to his job, I guess. And um, at some point, he goes through the the field the, where we, we saw the first victim of, uh, at the beginning of the film. And he asks the guy who's driving, can you, can you stop for, for a minute? And he goes back to the crime scene, uh, goes back to the exact same place where he found the... Um, the first victim and obviously there's nothing there it's just empty uh but then he meets a a girl who asks him why are you looking there uh and i think he kind of says like uh i i don't know i don't know exactly what he says but he says he just uh, yeah he just, he just kind of says he's like uh you know just just, just uh i was you know something something was here a while ago and i wanted to mm-hmm. see it and yeah and the the then the the girl answers and says well that's weird because there was another guy uh not too long ago who did the exact same thing and i and i asked him why uh why are you looking there and he said that he did something there a, uh a while ago and uh he wanted to uh, no, he just said he, he did something a while ago. And then there's just this shot, the final shot of the film, of Song Kang-ho looking at the girl and then looking into the camera. And then well, the film he, ends. He's, yeah, he says he's like, he's just like, did you did you get a look at what yeah. he looked like? And oh, yeah. She go, yeah, she goes like, uh, she was like, yeah. Uh, she was like, a, just, he just kind of looked plain. And he was like, how? And he, she just goes, just ordinary. Mm-hmm. And that's when he just goes silent and then looks straight into the camera. Yeah. And then the movie ends. So, all right. Uh, it's out of all the movies we've discussed so far yeah. on Movie Dudes, mm-hmm. it's my favorite ending. Oh, yeah. I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't quite, I don't quite know yet if it's my favorite of the ones we've discussed yet. Uh, but, oh, my God. It is such a... Oh, the last I mean, twenty I, I minutes know, is yeah. just masterful. The, no, the last, the, the last twenty minutes of this film are, are just 
like perfect there's nothing to say it's well no there's a lot of things to say but there's, there's nothing yeah. wrong to say about it it's perfect mm-hmm. so um well so i'd like to know since this is the first time this uh, happened in the podcast where we're talking about a film that i had seen before but you had not mm-hmm. so i want to know what did you think about this film well uh i guess i'll just start out by saying i i liked it i liked mm-hmm. it a lot um i wasn't i can't say i was ever bored by it uh mm-hmm. but unlike unlike uh the previous film i've seen from bong joon ho parasite um i wasn't like you know hanging on every word mm-hmm. uh so I was kind of, and I think that worked a lot better for this movie almost because right. it kind of immerses you in just this, the same kind of limbo that the detectives are going through of like, like, okay, this is the only lead we have. Let's pursue it. Oh, there's something else that didn't work out and it just keeps going and going in that loop. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, and then like throughout the whole movie i'm just thinking i'm like this is this is pretty all right i'm like i'm like i'm having a good time but i don't like mm-hmm. i don't love it yet and then the end okay. happens right and i am immediately i'm that's that last section much much like parasite i'm just i'm, I'm in i'm sucked in mm-hmm. for the first yeah. time in like kind of a while like i've seen a lot of movies just in the past few months and for the last time in a while this was the first one that just kind of had me sitting there like what is what is happening like mm-hmm. what where's this going i want to know right now uh and i was left completely in awe at the train track scene at the yep. the final epilogue scene so i liked the movie quite a bit and now that i've had uh i watched it maybe a few days ago by now uh and i've had that time to just kind of sit on the movie I love it a lot, and I'm really mm-hmm. glad that I that I own it, and I'm glad that mm-hmm. we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, and I would say like, I don't know if I had to rate it out of ten, I'd probably say it's a very solid nine at the moment. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked this one. Same thing for me. That's a that's a that's a nine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's um, that mm-hmm. was my. That was just my experience with it. I watched it, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't exactly remember what I did the day before. I think I went to like one of my friend's parties or something, and mm-hmm. I came back and I was like, oh, I should watch. Because this is when I thought that we were going to be um, recording on a different day than we were. So I was yeah. like, oh, we're going to be watching. I'm like, okay, we're going to be talking about this tomorrow. I need to watch it tonight. So I watched it. Uh, I started at one o'clock and I ended it at like almost four a.m. <laughs> right. So it was it was a very late night movie, but I think that worked perfectly for it because yeah, I don't know if you I don't know if you're the same way. This is off topic, but like mm-hmm. I watch movies at night a lot better than I do during the day. Dude, same. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's nice because uh, what I do when I watch movies is usually I watch them at night. And I just uh, shut down all the lights in my room. And, oh, yeah. you know, I unfortunately have to watch all of my mo- movies on my laptop, which is not the way I'd like to. But that's, right. you know, that, that's it. And, 
so I the only line the only source of light that I have in my room is my laptop and so it's it's the best way that I have to create some kind of like movie theater uh, vibe right right I had I don't know my movie setup my movie watching setup has never been like it, okay, my movie watching setup has gone through a lot of change in the last few months because mm-hmm. um, when I lived in my uh, apartment that I lived in during the first couple episodes of this uh, podcast, uh, I had like I had like a couch and I had a TV setup, so I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is just a, a pretty good movie watching setup. Yeah. Uh, but then I, during like a couple months, I was in. Uh, the town where my mom lives, just kind of uh, working a job down there. Uh, so I brought, or like I, I brought my uh, PlayStation and some of my Blu-rays so I could watch them. And that's how I watched uh, the Wong Kar Wai box set. And right. I had, I had this like, I don't know how do you, how you describe it, but it's kind of like a big round uh, chair. And I just had, uh, I had like a little TV on a desk and I just, that's how I watched them. It was just in a really dark room, just kind of like hunched over in a chair, just like, hmm. But it was, uh, yeah, it was good. And now, now since obviously I moved, it's kind of in, I don't know, my, my movie watching setup's kind of in a, a weird spot because, uh, I... (laughs) Because <laughs> I have my my TV and my entertainment center and stuff set up over there, uh, and then I just have my bed. Like I don't have a chair hmm. or anything to sit in. So, right. for most of the movies I've I've watched while I've been here, I've just kind of been laying on my side, which is not exactly yeah. great movie watching position. But I'll figure something out better, especially now that uh, I got my that I got my actual desk chair back. By I the mean, way, yeah. Uh, I, for, I was going to mention this when the podcast started, but uh, yeah. for anyone who has watched uh, last week's episode or you know episode three, uh, I would like to I would like to apologize because I was for that ep- for that episode I was using a uh, a wooden chair that I had that I have mm. that that was being used in my dining room and it's really rickety and I didn't realize it until I was editing, but some of that like you know, creaky noise comes in uh-huh. through the recording. So, uh, it's not like end of the world, but it was kind of, mm-hmm. it was, it was a little like, Oh no, people are going to notice that. But so it was <laughs> like, you know, right. if, if that bothered you last episode, it won't happen again since I have an actual chair now. Um, but that's all I had to say about that really. All right. Um, but yeah, can I just, uh, just to close this tangent of like movie watching setup, yeah, uh, like I, the the day that I move into an apartment, I'm gonna try to s- set up my room so that I can have like a, a projector and uh, mm. just like a, a white screen to to actually have some kind of like home theater. Oh yeah, that'd be so cool. A friend of mine used to have a projector, and mm-hmm. we would watch anime like that in high school, and it was just the the coolest right. thing. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, kind of just get back into the film. Uh, mm-hmm. Should we just go through our notes and talk about uh, what the what we liked about the film? Yeah, I kind of said most of mm-hmm. what stuck out to me already. Uh, like obviously, there's you know the ending and the uh, Song Kang Ho's performance. 
Um, but this is like kind of the issue with uh, I don't know with uh, movies that I've that I haven't seen before is that mm-hmm. I don't I don't techni- I don't usually like to get distracted while I'm watching them. Right. So like I kept very minimal notes of like what I wanted to talk about, and that was basically it. So okay, uh, but I'm sure you have a lot more that can carry a good discussion. Yeah, I have a, I have a couple <laughs> things. Uh, well, so first thing, that's one of the first thing. That's my second note because I noticed that really early on, uh, something that I had kind of forgotten about the first time that I watched the film, which is how you know that's a film about a guy who raped and murdered ten women. That's yeah. a very serious topic. That's a big thing. And even with that, this film is very focused on comedy. It has a lot of like comedic There's, moments. Yeah. yeah. You'd expect the film to be a lot more serious, but you know, especially with um Song Kang Ho's character who's kind of a kind of a goofy goofy guy a bit. Um yeah. He, you know, you know, there's a lot of very, uh, pretty funny moments. Yeah, it's um, it's a very it's pretty serious throughout. Like, okay, so okay, it's mm-hmm. all things considered, like there's there's a few serious moments like throughout the first like I don't know hour and forty I'd say there's a lot of like mm-hmm. serious moments just kind of interspliced throughout. Uh, but throughout most of the most of that chunk of the movie, it's pretty like. It's like pretty light almost. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's some dark in there, but it's mainly just kind of you know, lightly just kind of like, ah, it's funny, but then there's also, you know, the de- you know, detective stuff. Uh and then during the last 20 minutes is when it just ma- takes the switch right. full into serious. Well, what I think like the reason I I think the reason why they did that is cuz, you know, as I said, it's a very serious topic. So mm. maybe a film about that that is very serious for two hours would be kind of like too much. It yeah. would be too too heavy of a film. Plus, so I considering think, mm-hmm. considering like the audience that this movie was originally created for is like you know Korea, you know, in the last or during that period of time was kind of shaken by the mm-hmm. by those serial murders because you know unlike unlike america or like other country other big countries where serial killings is kind of kind of a lot <laughs> like it's kind of like like every <laughs> every couple of years we get a good like we get like a, a very like notable like serial killing yeah i mean just the the sheer amount of netflix documentaries about oh, serial yeah. killers like there's just it's so much here but over there like back then especially it's like it was like that that stuff never usually happened well i'm pretty so, sure like i'm pretty sure i read that it was the first like real serial killer in south korea not only that but it was in a region that had like no crimes yeah like, like a very crimeless place who suddenly so, yeah. had a a very like dangerous serial killer. Yeah, which could also play into the idea of like why Song Kang Ho's character in the movie is like not that great of a detective because there wasn't really anything mm-hmm. there wasn't really anything right. to investigate for him. Unlike uh, the unlike the guy who's from Seoul yeah. where you know it's a big city so there's a lot more stuff going on. 
Which, okay, this the, I actually did have something in my, just kind of in my headspace about the movie that I liked a lot. Uh, I love the uh, the crisscross with their character with the character development because mm, yeah. Song Kang Ho starts out as just kind of a you know goofy or he's, he he just starts out like you know he's like not not very official at all he's like yeah you know uh, the whatever kind of proof there is I you know I'll go I'll go off based of what I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, obviously the detective from Seoul is, like, very grounded. He's very, like, you know, like like he's like he said, you know, document, or, like, the, I don't remember what he said exactly. The documents are the truth. Right, But yeah. at the end of the movie and during that last train track scene, we see how they've essentially flipped in mm-hmm. characters because the detective from Seoul is ready to shoot the suspect even though they all know that he didn't or that like he probably didn't do it and there's no way that they're ever gonna know that he did it or not and i I just realized how you know he's always like the documents are the truth but then he sees the documents saying that the uh, semen dna don't match up and even there he still doesn't believe it yeah then there's a really good shot it's like a very small detail that i loved is when uh a train comes and splits up uh the detectives and the suspect uh the documents are left on the track and get just get shredded Mm. by the by the train coming by and that's so good like it's such a it's such a like obvious movie moment but it's so it's still so good like i was Mm. like i was like oh my god that's that's so fun i'm like that's perfect But yeah, that was that was the other thing I had yeah. forgot to mention was just the I don't know the sheer perfection of those two character arcs. Yeah. Um, there was something that I noticed about the film. I I curious to rewatch some Bong Joon Ho films to see if it's also the case in those films. There's a lot of very long and continuous shots in oh, uh, yeah. in this film. Uh, well, for example, there's a shot that happens very early in, in the film that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire film, which is when he he finds the, the second victim. Uh, but inf- unfortunately, there's just like a fuck ton of people <laughs> everywhere who just do like who's just messing up with the crime scene. There's there's a tractor that goes uh, over like um, over the footprint. footprint. Yeah. It's and, like a it's like a two minute unbroken sequence of him. Mm-hmm telling all these people to like get out like go get just clear the area until forensics gets here just like leave but they're all like yeah. bumbling over each other it's, it's such a chaotic scene and i love it mm-hmm. it's you know what other scene also is amazingly chaotic in the same way is um later in the film when they're trying to do a uh, reconstitution of mm. the murder with the the first suspect and then the suspect's dad uh, comes there and says, "No, my son's innocent," and everything, and just creates so much chaos with like the um, the journalist asking, "Is that true? Is he not really the the killer?" And there's like this uh, slow motion shot, and I I don't remember if it's actually slow motion, but this shot of like everyone just bumping into each other, and there's just this this sea of scream and shouting, and that's just like you, you can't make out any single voice or any single 
kind of dialogue because it's just so chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just watching that kind of like, holy shit. That's a lot. And I thought that was a really, uh, really good scene. Yeah, I really liked uh, this was this was something I saw mentioned in day in a uh, YouTube video on Memories mm-hmm. of Murder, uh, and I don't quite remember who did it, but I remember it was. Was about, it by was it by Every Frame of Painting? I don't know if I watched the Every Frame of Painting video on this. I might Cause have because they, cause they made it, one. Yeah, I think I actually. Yeah, I, I think I did. I think it was that video because he mentions how uh, uh, obviously like a lot of. Uh, movies are shot like pretty like thoroughly covered like you get like a bunch of shots of this one actor doing one thing or the one actor doing another thing uh, just mm-hmm. to kind of build a scene that way but a lot uh, if not all of Memories of Murder is shot in a very like in a very like just kind of zoomed out point of view you, it's very uh, I believe it was called like ensemble framing because yeah. during most of the scenes of like people talking everybody who is in the scene is in the same frame and it's it's framed like that throughout like the conversation like only cutting sometimes and like once i rewatched this movie you know inevitably i want to take another look at some of those scenes because that's so impressive <laughs> how how yeah. all of that's like coordinated and choreographed. I loved it. Yeah. Um. So hold on. Let me just look in my notes. Uh, just a sh- short thing that I noticed that I thought was really funny is, it's there. There's a point of the in the film that really made me laugh at the beginning when it's just a scene with two people talking, and then it just cuts to Song Kang Ho and his girlfriend having sex. Yeah. With <laughs> no transition whatsoever <laughs> yeah it's just like oh all right that's what we're doing now okay <laughs> that's exactly what i thought and it's also like the the least sort of like romantic the least, like, yeah the scene. least the least sensual it's like it's like all i, I think it's it's I, so I, I, like some, yeah it's so like compact dark and grimy <laughs> i think at some point sunking hose is like oh i think it fell out and that's yeah. just how the scene ends. It's like, oh, all right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's our introduction to his, like, apartment space. Yeah. But yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> there is that scene. Oh, uh, something that I noticed that I kind of wanted to... Um, kind of wanted to get your opinion on that. I don't know if you noticed, but that's... Um, I think that's more something... The kind of stuff that you noticed at, at a... Uh, when you watch the film for a second time it's how you know the film in general is very kind of like colorless it's, yes it's it's yeah very... there's not a lot of colors except for two scenes which is the very first scene and the very last scene yeah both you're right. both scenes at the at the field so i have a theory for for that i kind of want to Want want to get your opinion on that? Uh, what do you think? So sure. my theory is that the the first scene happens right before. Uh, it's when they find the first victim. It's when they f- first get like uh, you know oh there's there's a killer in town, 
And so at that point, they're kind of a bit more innocent. And at the last scene, that's like, it's like over 20 years later when uh, he's kind of moved on. So, you know, those two scenes is is when like, you know, the killer isn't really uh, on his mind. So it's, I don't know, kind of like to show how, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that, that makes sense or I'm just, if I'm just no, talking I think nonsense, it, but. I think, if, no, you, you definitely have a point there. It's, uh, right. it's like <clears throat> he gets like, yeah, like the beginning of the film, uh, is very colorful. And then every scene mm-hmm. after that until the end is just, it's kind of, you know, dimmed and like grimy almost. Uh, yeah, and like you said, that, that last scene is colorful as well in that exact same setting, which is just kind of like, I think it does symbolize how, I think I think it definitely could symbolize just how, you know, it's not, the case hasn't really been on his mind for a while, and he's, mm-hmm. everything, you know, kind of feels back to, not back to normal, but back to a sense of like, you know, I'm not like thinking about it anymore. So yeah, I think right. I think you do have a point with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that was just something that I noticed. And I was like, "Huh, that's weird." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a it is a very dark movie. <laughs> like it's yeah, a lot of the scenes it's very like subdued and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like not too flashy, which is you know is good but it also it, it creates that uh that odd atmosphere i guess yeah um so i'm just looking at my notes and the kind of like the last thing to talk about is well as i said earlier i have a few things to say about the the last scene of the film uh so the first thing was what i just said about the colors but then there's uh something else that's re- um related to the the actual killer mm-hmm. so i don't know how much do you know about the actual killer um i watched literally like an hour before we did this yeah. i watched a video that was like the the um from a a youtube channel i, I believe it was korea news or something about sure. like the uh about like the differences between the real case and the movie uh mm-hmm. and it wasn't like it didn't really go that far into it. it wasn't a wasn't a really greatly put together I or like differences right. video, but yeah, um I don't really know much. I was going to I was going to uh I guess research research is more on my own, but I knew we would definitely talk about it uh, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Well so alright. Um the film obviously came out in two thousand three and I don't know kind of like as they say in the film by 2003 the killer had not been caught yet Mm -hmm. he was still loose so there's a uh something that that's amazing that i found in an old interview with uh bong joon ho they made a few years ago he where he basically talked about uh that last scene and said how the last shot of the film when Song Kang-ho is looking at the camera, he's not just looking at the camera. He's looking at the killer who probably went to see the film about his crimes in theaters. Yeah, I saw that interview too. It's so... Yeah. Oh, it's When, when makes... I first saw that, I was like, 
what? That makes that last scene just so chilling. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's, oh, it's amazing. And so I also read for, um, uh, for for this episode, I did something that I that I'd never done before, which is that I read the essay that's with that comes with the with the criterion of, of, the, of the film. I was um, thinking about doing that. I yeah. okay for for the episodes in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever we get to a Criterion one, we I'm, should do that. I'm yeah, I'm going to watch like the supplements and stuff and discuss yeah, that no, too. There's I, I wanted to watch because there's I'm pretty sure there's a documentary. There is. It's a do- uh, there's. It's like the, yeah, the documentary on the making of the film, and the other notable thing is there's a a 1994 a student film from Bong. Yeah, so, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's a really it's a really cool set. Which mm-hmm. unlike unlike most uh, single film uh, Criterion's, uh, this one comes with two discs. Yep. Uh, instead of one. Which I've only I've only ever seen in my copies of uh, The Irishman and uh, Seven Samurai, which are you know obviously both stupid long um, movies. <laughs> well, also also Parasite has. Uh, oh yeah, that's discs. right. Parasite has two discs. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking over my shelf to see if I'm correct about that. Is is that those three are the only ones? Because the only ones that I have. Yeah, I think um, do, actually no. Do the right thing. I think that has two discs. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. And uh, well, there's also in the bonuses, there's also a... Um, I haven't seen that yet, but I have to. It's an interview with Bong Joon-ho that's specifically about the uh, actual killer. I haven't seen that. What? Yeah. It's... Oh. Uh, hold on. Let me read the exact thing. Um, oh, that's new, right. I got New watch interview that. with Bong about the real-life serial killer who inspired the film. We'll have to, like... Uh, on, obviously, or like honestly, we might. I might just like watch them anyway, and just bring it up some other time. <laughs> like, yeah. like in a future episode, we could do like, I don't know, catch up with that. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, or just like some some extra stuff with memories of murder that we want to discuss if we mm-hmm. if it if we find it interesting enough. Right. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, well, yeah, so it's uh, about the essay. It's a pretty long essay. There's uh, quite a lot of stuff in it. Uh, what I'll say, though, like, I'm no one to criticize someone's essay, but I feel like for an essay that was specifically about memories of murder, he goes a lot, like, kind of off topic, and I feel like too much of the essay is based on Parasite instead of... Really? Memories of murder. Yeah, because no. there's a lot of stuff that's like about the impact that uh, Parasite had winning the Oscars and all. And it, like literally the last page isn't even about memories of murder. It's about a comment that Donald Trump made about how like it thought, he thought it was stupid that a Korean film won uh, the Academy Awards. So when? Yeah. Okay. When did the uh... Criterion edition of Parasite come out, come out. Did that come out after the Oscar win? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So like, I haven't read the essay for that one yet. Yeah. Uh, but like, I'm, I'm assuming that it's gotta talk about the Oscar win, right? 
because that's right, pretty. But I mean, that's that's a yeah. pretty monumental part about Parasite. But like, well, yeah, but the thing is that they both have different authors. For yeah, the I I guess that's true, but at the same time, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're. Uh, I think you're correct in in just yeah. like pointing this out. But like, if you if you're writing an essay based on or for for uh, you know memories of murder. Like mm-hmm. you can you can talk about the impact that he's that the directors had now, um, mm-hmm. but like keep it keep it as a footnote. Like don't right. I don't know just kind of like say like you know they're like this happened too, but I yeah I don't know I, the part of that doesn't sit right with me I guess no yeah which because no, like the, yeah it's worthy of discussion for sure mm-hmm. but like in in an addition of memories of murder I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of disappointing when I read that. But there's still a few things. Uh, the, the the main thing, basically, that I thought was really interesting is that apparently... Uh, well, so what, what I found out is that in real life, they didn't really... Um, they, they didn't find the killer. Well, h- hold on. Do, do you know about the, the current situation with the killer? Uh, didn't he admit to all of it? Uh, or did, yeah, didn't well, he so, like? All right, I'm gonna explain it because that's right. Well, that's something that I um, the that I found out when reading that is how in 2019, so very recently, yes, um, the 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 guy, the actual killer, uh, they 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 did a new DNA test, I think, with better technology and everything. And they found out who the killer was. And it apparently was a guy who had been already sent to prison, like, in the 90s for um, other crimes that he'd done. Mm. And he admitted to have done those crimes. But also, and I think, I think that's the actual number, but I'm not quite sure. I think he said he admitted to 30 other rapes. Oh, my God. So, a crazy fucking guy. And, um... but, but but before that happened, I think that was uh, back in the eighties or maybe the in the nineties. They found a guy who they um, they thought was the killer only for one of the victims, and they I I, I think he was the actual killer for that one. I'm or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was actually innocent. I'm not quite sure, but I think he was the killer. Yeah, and like, that like a, guy like a, like a copycat killer almost. Yeah, and that guy is the guy who inspired the first suspect in the in the film. Like he's basically based on that guy. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, there, b- besides that, the honestly, I didn't find a lot of stuff. There, there was a bunch of stuff that was pretty interesting, but not, not a lot of stuff that was really like, uh, oh, I got to talk about that on the podcast. Yeah. Um I don't know. I saw how like the the thing with the band-aid is apparently a reference to Lolita by Stanley Kubrick, but really? I haven't seen it. So I, I haven't seen Lolita I haven't yeah. seen Lolita either. It's on my yeah. it's on my watch list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but yeah. So that's uh that's pretty much all I have to say about the film. That's about all I have to say as well. Yeah, I really, like I said earlier, I really liked it. And uh, mm-hmm. 
I'm just excited to see more of Bong's work in the future. Yeah. Um. So I want I want I'd like to talk about kind of like this kind of stay topic of memories of murder. I thought it would be inter- interesting to talk about the genre of murder and mystery. Mm, okay. Kind of like okay. films and TV shows of people trying to figure out who the killer is. Um, because I think I've seen quite a lot of those, especially in the recent like year, year and a half. And I think that's a really interesting sort of uh, genre. It really so is, know, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, like, uh, how much of that have you seen? Um, like, do you have any any specific th- film or TV show that you think of that you would like to talk about? You're going to have to give me a sec to kind of recall some because it has been right. well, quite so, a while since I've seen, like, a good murder mystery right. before this. Well, there's... In, in terms of, specifically, maybe in terms of tone and uh, kind of that kind of stuff, there's a, a couple of parts in the film that reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen this show, uh, this British show that's called Broadchurch. Never. All right. Um, well, so that's a show that I discovered recently because um, this year I got way into Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of Doctor Who actors who were in Broadchurch, so I thought, uh, you know, I should watch it. And it was on Netflix, so uh, I did that. And it's basically, it's on a, it's on a smaller scale than uh, Memories of Murder. See, you know, it's a guy. It's um, there's only one victim, and it's uh, it's a ten year old boy, and it's basically David Tennant and Olivia Colman trying to to find the killer. And so, yeah, that's kind of just like a uh, recommendation that I want to put out. Uh, anyone who's curious about that, that's a really good show. It's, uh, well, f- first of all, kind of like um, Memories of Murder. It's a pretty, some, somehow a pretty funny show. Because uh, mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman and David Tennant are the two, um, the two main detectives. And Olivia Coleman is kind of like uh, she's very optimistic and she's very kind of like joy- joyful. And she's basically, if I were to compare it to Memories of Murder, she's kind of like uh, Song Kang Ho, even though she's a good detective. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got David Tennant, who's from this other town, who uh, he- he's very negative and he. It's very his character is very funny in a way that like he, he's the kind of person who hates hates everything, and so you know you got those two very different uh, personalities mixing up and the you know it's I think it's pretty funny but in general it's also a very well written show and uh, yeah it's just really good yeah uh, oh that's alright um I don't know why I, I don't know why I blanked on this but. Uh... I think, like, the best murder mystery movie I've seen in the past few years, at least, is uh, Knives Out. Same. Yeah, which is much more comedic in tone than Memories of Murder, Yeah, for sure. I'd say you can consider that a comedy. And it's yeah. unlike uh, Memories of Murder, in terms of, in terms of like, murder and mystery, it's a lot more... It's obviously very inspired by, like... Agatha Christie and that kind of stuff, yeah, which I more, really it's, like. It's a, it's much more like a whodunit type of murder yeah. mystery. Yeah, which is great. Which yeah, which I love. I love that movie. Um, 
But like, I haven't seen it. But another murder mystery uh, sh- show I know of is Twin Peaks. Oh, which yeah, I'm still. I watch that. Yeah, I'm still. I my roommate watched it years ago and loved it, but I gotta I gotta get into it because mm. I really because well, you know it's David Lynch. I'd like to yeah. watch all of Lynch's stuff, but I'd also like to watch Twin Peaks because it's like it's a legendary show at this point. Yeah. Um, and also I think like the, um, the, the, the recent season from like 20, uh, 2017 has like one of the highest ratings on all, all of Letterboxd. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think it's on like four, 4.6 out of five. Mm-hmm. There's also, have you seen, I'm just realizing that, uh, Dave, David, uh, David Fincher has made two great mystery films. Yes. Which are Seven and Zodiac. I have uh, seen so have neither. You s- <laughs> neither. Oh, fantastic. Well, there's going to be two films that I recommend that you watch. Of course. Um, they're Most movies that, like, I don't know, that are, like, considered the greats mm-hmm. are in my massive watch list. <laughs> so. Oh, I've got a bunch of those as well. A bunch of <laughs> very famous and acclaimed films that I haven't yeah. seen yet. Which, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but mm-hmm. my watch list was started because, you know, obviously I go to film school, uh, right. but uh, after a couple months, uh, mainly it was it was like every week at this point, whenever I would meet someone new, they would ask me if I'd seen Taxi Driver or not. And I'd have to go like, mm. no, I haven't seen it, but I'll get around to it someday. Uh, and then one day, right. someone was like, "Oh, you haven't seen Taxi Driver? You gotta see it." And I'm like, "Okay, fine." I was like, "I was like, I will make a watch list with every movie that someone tells me to watch." Right. And and eventually that that evolved into, uh, you know, like instead of instead of movies that people told me to watch, it was just movies that I wanted to watch. Uh, right. And so now it's around 550. I think it was last time I checked. Oof. Yeah, which I'm almost yeah. I'm almost 50 movies in to the complete watch list. <laughs> yeah. I only have a few left, and this was number 46 of the watch list. All right. Well, uh, what I have is, uh, instead of a watch list, I've got two lists on Letterboxd, which are, um, the, the first list is, there's, I think there's a book uh, that came out that's like a thousand and one movies that you have to watch before you die. Yeah. And someone took all the films from that list and put it in a letterbox list. And uh, so, so basically I, I uh, cloned that list and, uh, you know, I'm slowly going through all the films that um, all the films that I've seen. And probably, the other. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably break into that list once my watch list is completed right. at some point. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the other list is, uh, well, that's that's pretty cool. Is I think that was a few months ago. That was like more early on into the um, into the pandemic. Um, Edgar Wright did a list of his one thousand favorite movies. Really? Yeah. And uh, so again, someone made it into a uh, letterbox list. I cloned it, and I have watched eight hundred. Uh, no, I have I have watched. Hold on. No, there's... <laughs> you got me uh, for a second there. <laughs> I was like, no, I was no, like... no, no, no. No, no, no. There's 887 films that I have not seen yet. Oh, okay. 
I gotta uh, like reverse math, but that's like uh, fucking a hundred and thirteen. I'm gonna look that up and see which ones I, which ones I I've seen out of his list yeah. or how much I've seen of his list. Hold up. Yeah, cause like that's, you know, uh, I recently I've seen a bunch of like uh, Edgar Wright interviews. That guy has watched like a a billion films. Oh, for sure. It's like him and uh, Quentin Tarantino, like th- those two guys who I've seen. They're, they've seen so many films. It's actually insane. I've seen nine percent <laughs> of his <laughs> list. So almost, yeah. so almost a hundred. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know, like that's Edgar Wright and Quentin Tarantino. That's never gonna happen. But they they would be like the best guests to have on the podcast. Oh my god, that would be insane. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, have you ever thought about, like, what guests you would want on the show? Oh, I have, yeah. Because <laughs> I, well, I, yeah. only, I only have one that I don't... Yeah? Uh, I don't know if you know who this is, uh, but they, they're pretty loved on the Criterion subreddit. Yeah, uh, his I, name I, is, I think I know. His name is uh, Daisuke Beppu. Yes, I love yes. Daisuke Beppu. I would adore having him on the podcast Dude, yeah that would be I think, so much fun well so what what i thought is like we should probably sh- sh- in terms if we're gonna have guests on the podcast we should probably eight, uh wait until uh i'd say around episode 10 because i'd say if oh, we go yeah. to 10 episode that's when we're like uh, okay the podcast is a thing we're doing it you know yeah no definitely uh, but yeah no we should definitely ask him because like that one, that yeah, one could feasibly could happen. Yes. That, one, that could one could actually happen. happen. That'd there's be so another, much fun, though. Yeah, man, that would be great. That would be a great conversation. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's another guy who his name is uh, Elliot Cohen. He's got a mm-hmm. YouTube channel that's called uh, Boutique Blu-rays with Elliot Cohen. Oh, uh, I, think who, I've, I think I've heard that. I think I've heard yeah, that name. He makes, uh, you know, he makes a bunch of, video, a bunch of videos of, about uh, Criterion, but also... A bunch of uh, other stuff, and uh, th- that's another guy who I think uh, that would make a great guest. Oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I mean besides besides that, you know, I mean we can we can always try other YouTubers who have more uh, subscribers, but you know, at, at least try. But that's that's probably probably not gonna happen. That would be it. Would be pretty insane. There's a lot of uh, yeah. There's a lot of movie. Uh, YouTubers I've watched throughout my life that would be kind of surreal to talk to. <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, do you know the 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 YouTube channel that's called uh, the Royal Ocean Film Society? Yes, I've heard that yeah. name. That guy, he it's uh, this guy who makes these amazing analysis on movies, and honestly, I think that's probably my favorite channel about movies. Mm. Um. Just in terms of like, not only his writing but also his um, kind of like the way that he makes videos, the the kind of like effects that he makes and everything is, he, he's he's he makes videos that are very fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, you know that's another guy who I'd love to see as I a just, guest. I just thought of, <laughs> I just thought of like maybe the best guest we could ever get. Yeah. What if we had Doug Walker on the show? Oh my <laughs> god. 
Wouldn't that just be something? <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. We gotta make an episode with Dog Walker about <laughs> the wall. Oh! <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so until we know... Until yes. we know that, like... Like, okay, let's... Let's make a promise right here, never yes. to talk about the wall, until we know Doug Walker has said no to coming on the show. Like, right. Well, all right. Here's the thing, though. Because we have to save um, that for Doug Walker. <laughs> well, so the thing is, there's, you know, this video got so much hate. I mean, like, yeah. The the, the like to dislike ratio is horrible. So I'm pretty sure. That he's not gonna want to talk about the wall again. <laughs> he has a good sense of humor about himself. Yeah, he does though. He but, does. But like, see, that's the thing. Um, I don't know, cause like, with 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 nostalgia critic, obviously that's what we're talking about. If no one knows who Doug Walker is, yeah. Uh, but uh, with him, I can defend most of the videos he's done. The wall video is the one I can't. Like that's I, I I've wa- I've watched that. And I'm like. Yeah, that's that's just a bad review. It's a bad it's a bad it's a bad take. But I like, still haven't seen it. It's um it's something alright. Yeah. But I, I listen. I love Doug. I don't know if he'll ever I don't know if he'll ever hear these hear these words. But if he if he ever wants to come on the show, not even to talk about the wall. Just Just in general. Anything he wants to. Choose a film. I will give it my blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I heard that he said that his favorite film is Brazil by Terry Gilliam. I'd be fine if with that. If he wants to talk about that, yeah. I'm fucking down. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so no, cool. No, but <laughs> if, if we're talking about Dog Walker, you know who would be an, another great guest? Who? The AVGN. Oh my god, that would be great. Because, like, you know, he talks about uh, video games uh, on his channel, but he's a massive, like, cinephile, and he went to school to... To pursue filmmaking and everything, so oh yeah, you know no, I would, I would love to talk yeah. to him. Um, yeah, I just, I just remembered, what if, mm-hmm. what if we got uh, Doug Walker on the show to discuss uh, the the channel awesome movies like Kickassia, uh, Suburban Nights, <laughs> to Boldly Fleet? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Dude, that would be oh man, that would be the best episode. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that would be like. Like, real talk, though, I know I'm laughing really yeah. hard right now, but, like, uh, that would be childhood dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. That'd be absolutely. so awesome. <laughs> That'd be so good. Oh, God. Um, oh, another guest that would be, like, that would be amazing, not in terms of, like, oh, that would be fucking funny, but, it, like, it would be <laughs> legendary. Yeah. Uh, the guy who made every frame of painting. Oh yeah, that would be interesting. Cause like the guy has, anyone, has making... anyone heard from him? Like I was about to say, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I have, <laughs> he basically stopped making videos like four years ago. Yeah, just about. Yeah, and I don't think, I don't think ev- uh, everyone's heard of him since then. Yeah, that would be cool. Wouldn't that be would fun? Be, it'd be very interesting. Yeah, uh, you know who else I'd love to have on the podcast? Hmm. Your movie sucks. Oh yes, he would, oh, that would be, be funny. He would be great. Ralph the movie maker would be great. Mm-hmm. I, I everything would be great. Just the whole Sardano yeah. cast crew, definitely. Uh-huh. Um, but that's yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> if, yeah, if we're talking dream guests, like that, yes. that the whole list of people we just said would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have, um, mm-hmm. this is like going off topic, so sure. a pretty good, pretty good way to just kind of split off topics right here. Uh, but, uh, I had an interesting, uh, movie revisiting experience this past week. Huh? So, right. uh, back in June, uh, my girlfriend was like, Hey, do you want to watch, uh, the Fred trilogy with me? <laughs> uh, and I was like, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Is that even on anything? And I checked, <laughs> I checked. No, it's not. It's the Fred of trilogy is no longer on anything. <laughs> so I did, I did the only thing in my power I could do. I bought the DVDs. <laughs> And oh my god! This past weekend, we watched all three of them in one night, only stopping once so I could go get our food that was just delivered. We Are watched... you okay? No. Or after? Okay. <laughs> after? Okay. After the third, she can attest yes. to this. Like, uh-huh. if, you, if if she if if for some reason we ever have like people we know on the show, she can attest I mean, to this. Maybe. I mean, we, yeah. Why not? But, like, yeah. Why not? But yeah, no, she can attest to the fact that during Camp Fred, I may have wanted to die. <laughs> because I was... Have you, okay, have you ever seen any of those movies? I have. I oh, have. Oh, yes. Uh, so I watched all of them when they came out when I was a kid. Like, every every mm-hmm. premiere night, I watched every one of them. Um, uh, oh, dude, can I... So I think I remember yeah. that I uh, bought those films on iTunes. Did you really? Just, I felt like that was an important thing to say. It's just something oh, that I remember. I bought those films on iTunes. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. But yeah, go on. So, um, I don't remember how... Okay, I don't know how much you remember those movies, uh, but I I remember didn't. about John Cena, and that's pretty yes. much it. Other than that, my memory was pretty, like, nothing. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, I guess I'll go. I'll go at film by film. Uh, Fred the movie. Uh, wait, hold on. Are you sure you want to talk about those now? Or you want to wait for Nepal specifically about those films? Uh, I'll just <laughs> ma- okay. I'll mention it really quickly. I, I, no, hold on. I just want to point out that was a joke. I don't want to talk about those films in the episode. <laughs> Okay, okay, we, we won't talk about him. <laughs> you sounded know, pretty we, serious, though. I was, I was almost. Yeah, no, there. I was trying. I was trying to make it like uh, sarcastic, <laughs> but that didn't really come out well. Oh, that's uh, really good, though. <laughs> so, but yeah. So yeah, okay. Fred, Fred the movie is uh is not good. That's the one that that's the one where he um he stalks a girl and then is like, you know what? She's moving away. I want to go find out where she lives now. So he goes on like a whole movie long trek to her house and then throws up on her uh, and then has a really weird party like by himself with like the goth girl down the street. Uh, right. And then he's popular. Um, and it's it's just not it's not good, but it's also not like abysmal. Like you could watch Fred the movie yeah. and go like, you know what? This is this is whatever. It's like yeah. it's it's like a three out of ten, I think. Uh, that much? I would say so. Yeah, it's huh. it's not the worst thing I've seen. It's it's not egregiously bad, but mm. um, 
So, Fred 2, Night of the Living Fred, is... It's still not good, but it's probably the best one out of the trilogy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the title. Night What's the title? Fred? It's Night, Night of the Living Fred. <laughs> you okay? I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... So it's, it's, I, I'm going to explain this in the best way I can. <laughs> yeah. Night, or, okay, Night of the Living Fred follows uh, Fred uh, mm-hmm. and his new music teacher, who he's convinced is a vampire. So okay. he, he like almost ruins, he pretty much ruins this man's reputation. Uh, uh-huh. And like. Like, he, he goes so far as to, like, uh, shoot uh, garlic sauce at him uh, through, a, through a water gun at a concert. This is real? Like, at, okay. a, pia- at a piano recital, he shoots garlic sauce at him uh, through a super soaker. Uh, and then, okay. and then uh, you, know, you know, his teacher's like, all right, whatever. You can come over to my house and we'll bury, you know, bury the hatchet, like, We'll break this, you know, break this kind of like awful relationship stigma that we've had. So uh-huh. he goes over to the house uh, and is like live streaming the whole thing on his phone, and it cuts okay. off at at a certain point. So everybody who's watching the live stream is, which is basically everyone at his high school is like, "Oh my god, it's definitely a vampire!" Uh, but then obviously Fred learns that he's just some dude with like really weird habits. Uh, so it's just it's a movie about. He, like, fixes it in the end, obviously, but it's just, it's really funny because it's a movie about this weird kid who everybody sees as weird, and then he convinces everyone that a real vampire exists. Um, Right. It's not good, but it's also not terrible. Like, I'd say four out of ten. Four out of ten? I would say so. It's, It's... Far from the worst thing I've seen in the past few months, <laughs> so I can't say it's bad, or it's, I can say it's bad. It's just not, it's not that bad, right? But it's not abysmal. Yeah, but Camp Fred, Fred Three, Camp Fred, is maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen. All it right. is. Uh, so ooh. what makes that one specifically worse than the other one? Okay. So, Fred uh, wants to go to camp, but his mom puts him into a low-budget camp called Camp I Want a PP, uh, which makes Fred okay. go into a, he like goes into like a, I don't know, kind of like a manic state, and he's basically just kind of sent to the place on a bus, and then they, they do nothing for like 30 minutes of the movie they just do camp shenanigans like campfire stories and and like there's a lot of jokes about camp food like gruel basically for most of the movie fred is suspicious that this place is like i don't know like just doing weird stuff it's not, and it's really obvious that it's not, and then he learns that, and then the last half of the movie is spent on this nonsense camp, 
like camp like uh what's what's the word tournament between like them mm-hmm. and another camp that okay. they've always lost and then they win the tournament um and it's it might be the most nothing movie to <laughs> to exist i can't i can't I, mean, I actually can't think of a single thing that makes the experience worthwhile well all right, can I be honest? I feel like a film that ha- that's a nothing film mm-hmm. is so much worse than a film that's like a bad I know. film. I know. It's like the worst thing that a film can be is a nothing film. Yeah, it's like I can't I can't find a reason for you to exist. Right. But it's not like I don't with with most like bad movies that I can't find a reason to exist for, I'm I'm usually like I usually hold some kind of like I don't know, some kind of vitriol in my heart against it. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have that against Camp Fred. It's just bad. Like, right. it's just really bad. Like, it's it's one of those bad movies that you just shouldn't shouldn't watch. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense why it exists, but you shouldn't watch it. It's like a 1 out of 10. It's it's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, have I... Oh, right. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Actually... Have I ever talked about the worst movie that I've ever seen? Have I ever mentioned this to you? Uh, no, but I think uh, I thought about that like two minutes ago. I think that would be a good conversation for the podcast. So oh, please yeah. go on. So because I I've got a good uh, an interesting one for sure. I think. Oh yeah. So this is this is like a good. Yeah, this is definitely something I was going to talk about at some point. I just didn't know. Right. When. Same. So mm-hmm. okay. Uh. For I would say since from 2016 to the pandemic, I would see as many movies in the theater as I possibly could. Okay. Uh, and in 2019, or no, 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 2018, this was even more so because I had a movie pass before that went under. Uh, oh, all right. So I would see like maybe two movies a week or something crazy like that. Nice. Uh, but one week, uh, my friend and I decided to go see uh, a little movie called uh, called Slender Man, um, <gasps> oh. which which was a you know it was an adaptation, or not an adaptation. It was inspired by you know the creepypasta or like you know just the internet legends of the same name. Which yeah, being a being a you know two thousands kid who spent most of his time on YouTube. I knew uh, quite a bit about uh, yeah. about the creepypasta world. So I was yeah. like, okay, this will be interesting. It's it's really weird that this movie's coming out now. Um, yeah, it is, huh? But I didn't I was think like, about that. I was like, I was like, okay, fine. I'll I'll go see it. Um we sat through the entire thing and it's it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I don't think there's any. There's. I watched it again recently because mm-hmm. I I bought it for like five dollars on Blu-ray, so I have the movie. Sure. I watched uh-huh. it again a few months ago with some friends of mine, uh, and it just reinforced just how this movie has absolutely no redeeming qualities, and it does uh-huh. it does nothing right. Eventually, someday, I want to I wanna break down the movie like into everything it does wrong, which is 
pretty much everything throughout the one throughout the hour and a half runtime. But mm-hmm. it's it's baffling. Like if you ever watch Slender Man, it is like I don't I, I can't even I'm usually pretty good about articulating what I think about movies, but right. Slender Man is is just speechless to me. It is it, <laughs> it is a new world of absolutely abysmal because it's the only movie and I use it's movies like these that I use as a benchmark for how I think about every other movie I watch. Right. Okay. Because Slender Man is the only movie out of the entire time the entire time of my life that I've been like rating movies out of 10 uh mm-hmm. that is a that is a zero out of 10 like right. every other movie i've seen i watch it and i go man that was pretty bad uh but is it as bad as slenderman no <laughs> like i have seen so many bad movies that have made me go like since since i saw that movie there's been so many movies i've seen where i'm like yeah okay you know that was pretty awful it was pretty unredeemable right. But is it Slenderman? No. <laughs> so, so yeah, Slenderman is the worst movie I've ever seen, and I had the pleasure of seeing it in theaters when it nice. was out because it's oh yeah. That's... Everyone should watch their their least favorite movies in theaters. <laughs> yeah, if you have the chance, absolutely. But like, I'm never, I'm never gonna have the chance. Okay, so uh... what? Okay, yeah. What is your worst movie? All right, mine's a bit in- interesting because. It's it's a film. I I don't know, uh, you know, to some extent, I don't know your entire knowledge of movies, and I don't know everything that, that you know, but I know for a fact that you've never heard of this film. Okay. It's a film that I discovered, that I first heard of uh, in a class that I had uh, last year. It's a French documentary from 1973 uh that is called the society of the spectacle no never heard of it all right that's what i thought um so basically i gotta do kind of like an introduction about the guy who made the film uh who's is a uh french filmmaker but mostly french philosopher named uh guy de mm-hmm. who this guy basically he made this whole theory uh so society of the spectacle is Kind of like a, a documentary, documentary adaptation of a book that he made uh, with the same name. And this, he made this whole theory of spectacle, which is, in his definition of that word is, it's something that the, the, the society has created to uh, kind of like blind itself from the, the world's issues. Mm-hmm. Which is entirely wrong. Like, that's his opinion. I respect that. He's wrong. Um, and so, basically, he says kind of how, like, spectacle includes uh, theater, uh, movies, and, you know, that was back in the 70s. But if he was alive today, he would definitely include TV and uh, and video games. Yeah. But in basically those all those entertainment things, basically entertainment in general, he... F- he thought that it was a um, a horrible, useless thing that was only uh, that was only there to blind people from like the the actual 
thing that are um, bad things that are going on in the world. Right. I now I say that you might think to yourself, why the fuck was this guy a filmmaker? <laughs> to, and to that, I unfortunately do not have an answer. That is a great mystery. But so <laughs> this makes that the society of the spectacle is a film that's made to be horrible, and that's why I say that oh. I hate that this film in particular is my least favorite film. Because <clears throat> when I say that, I feel like I'm feeding the troll. Right. That's how I feel. <clears throat> but so, like that's what he meant for it to be. Yeah. So okay, it's like, let me mm-hmm. let me ask this. Yeah. Is this like a well liked movie? Like in general, do people like this movie? It's it's more that uh, you know it's it's people kind of like analyzing his um <clears throat> his opinion and saying like oh his his opinion is uh, interesting and that kind of stuff and I don't know that that kind of stuff but. You know, it's my least favorite uh, film of all time, but it still has a three point six out of five on Letterboxd. Right. Is is it more like a? I don't know. From the way from the way it sounds to me, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of on the outside, this movie seems very much like a like a like a just a bitter man talking about yeah about just like it's... how much he hates the thing that's something. That's like basically influential at that time. Honestly, a good way to review this film, if I were to talk to Guy Debord in real life and <laughs> talk to him, I'd say, "Okay, boomer." Is it? Oh, is it? Is it just the? <laughs> that's honestly almost an okay, boomer film. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and, but so, all right. Basically, the way this film, um, I I think it's available on YouTube with subtitles. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Th- I don't recommend you to watch this film because yeah. please don't. But <laughs> at least you know, watch like kind of just go go through the video a bit and just kind of kind of see what it's like. But so the way it's made is, it's just him talking with very difficult worlds and very like um, you know world, words that no one use with a, a with a very monotonal voice and a very very. Um, boring voice on purpose kind of like this mm-hmm. he basically talks about just a bunch of random random thing I, I i think it's related to the society spectacle but honestly if it wasn't i wouldn't even be surprised um <laughs> and it's that with just a bunch of random footage of you know just people walking on the street and that kind of stuff and also a bunch of uh a bunch of naked women what? Because that's another thing that I that I heard is that uh, this guy was extremely sexist, so that's another reason not to like right. him. But uh, <laughs> and so you know, whenever he, he, whenever there's footage of a woman in the film, it's always done in a way that's like she's either naked or very like uh, lightly dressed. Oh, that sucks. What? Yeah. No, that's weird, huh? <laughs> that's pretty that's weird. That's fucked yeah. up. Um. <clears throat> I'm but, sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. okay, this is like, so obviously you found out from this, you found out about this movie from film class, right? Yes. So, uh, have you ever heard the story of D. W. Griffith? Because it, I know that name. Because it might be the funniest, like just the the most the un the mo- to me oh. to me the unintentionally yeah. funniest story 
about like a filmmaker's legacy that I've ever heard. Right. Well, I know, I know, I know about obviously about the birth of a nation. And yes. It's like a film that I really have no intention to ever watch in my life. Yes. But yeah. So, so here's some here's some history class over here. Um, yes. Uh, so so basically, it's so D.W. Griffith makes this movie uh, called this is like way back in. Well, let me double check the year. Uh, 1915. So, like, really early mm-hmm. into filmmaking, he makes this massive film called Birth of a Nation, which mm-hmm. is really influential and, like, changed cinema's landscape as, as anybody knew it. Um, mm-hmm. Only issue with Birth of a Nation is that it's really, yeah. it's really racist. And it's it, incredibly and it, racist. And it paints, it basically, I've never seen the film, so I can't say this mm-hmm. for exact, Same. but from what I know... It basically kind of paints the Ku Klux Klan as the good guys, which, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's just not a he, it's not a good look. <laughs> um, so I, I watched the first scene of the film, uh, in a class. Oh really? And basically, I didn't, I didn't even go that far. <laughs> yeah, and I think I saw the. It, it was like the first. I think it was the first scene of the film, and we talked uh, a bit about it. And it's really fucked up because basically, I basically the scene is. It's the the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, mm. but the way it's shown is, is the, the, the the assassination is not the the bad thing. The bad thing is that after that they kill the uh, the assassin, mm-hmm. and the fact that th- this guy died is a bad thing because that guy was a good guy. You know, he was the the racist guy, so he was good. Oh God! R- wait, really? They <laughs> basically oh, that was no. it. Dude, and also, um, okay. have you so have you seen? Yeah. So yeah, okay. Just to finish off, why I think the story of uh, Griffith is funny, yeah, is because after Birth of a Nation, everyone was like, "Oh, you racist! Like this is so awful." He just sees mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I'm not racist," so he makes a movie called Intolerance. Uh, and everybody all hates right. it. Everybody hates Intolerance, and so he's like, "All right, you guys suck." So he makes a movie called Broken Blossoms, which can also go by the title of The Girl and the Yellow Man, where... Uh, oh, no. Where where the film basically follows, like, a girl and a white guy doing a awful Chinese <sighs> impression and, like, oh my character. God. It's the most racist thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at the pictures. It's, it's horrible. It's so bad. Is, it's literally the real life version of that meme where it's like Goku and he says like and he says like he's like I'm about to get racist and he's like it's okay guys I'm no longer racist just kidding I'm even more racist now <laughs> it's so awful oh man but yeah that's that's Can the I, story of D.W. Griffith <laughs> that film reminds me of something um <laughs> Well, as I mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, this year I got way into Doctor Who. Yeah. And um, I, I so I don't know if you knew, but Doctor Who is, was like, there's two different shows. There's one that's like, uh, that started in 2005 and that's still going on right now. But, the, but there's another one, which is basically like the first part, I guess, which started in 1963 until 1989. Yeah. And in this show... I haven't seen the episode because, you know, it's uh, kind of hard to find. And it's 
some of it really didn't age well, but right. I saw a bunch of videos talking about that. There's a, there's an episode uh, from the seventies with um, uh, with an episode with Dumbaker as the doctor who is the 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 face that everyone knows, which is the the guy with the scarf. Yeah, yeah, and it's they go to a um, a planet which is largely inspired by China and there's a lot of you, you, oh, you no. know it feels like you're basically like you're in China yeah. and everyone in this planet is played played by Chinese actors okay except except for the main guy in the oh, planet the the, no. the the who's the the bad guy who is for some reason played by a white guy with like this weird oh. prosthetic mask to make him look like an oh, Asian guy. No, it's terrible. <laughs> it's... That's awful. Hold on. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, I rolled. Uh, I rolled Doctor Who Asian to 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 find a picture, and there's just a bunch of Asian doctors. Oh. That's not what I was looking for. <laughs> um. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a picture in the the Discord so you can okay. take a look at it. Okay. Um, it's. By the way, All I, right, I want yeah. I want to say like I want to preface this like yeah. the reason I'm laughing so hard at all this you know it's because it's so I, at all up. this as all this blatant racism is because I think it's so absurd that this yeah. is this was ever a thing, like I mm-hmm. like obviously obviously I I. I I don't even think we have to state that we are big fans well, of, yeah. of, inter- of international film and like international actors. Oh, it's there. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> That's the and worst. There's, there's even a quote oh. from the doctor, um, which I'm gonna try to find. It's. Oh, <laughs> the, the name of the episode is the 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 talents of Wang Chang. Oh, it's and it's you know, <laughs> uh, generally generally considered as one of the worst Doctor Who episodes for some weird reason. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. I implore and, you know, everyone who's listening to this right now to look up what this looks like because it is. Well, I'm gonna put. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Put oh, you gonna put it in the episode? Okay. Yeah. This is. Don't worry. This is so awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. That's. Um, and Tom Baker, who uh, played the Doctor, has mm-hmm. I think has come out and said like you know he's apologized, saying like all right. I'm so sorry. Well, of course, yeah. It, yeah. It's just... I don't know. <laughs> we could... Obviously, there's a lot to be said about, I don't know, like... The, the, the history that film shares with awful characters of races. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know... Just through through growing up, I've realized that I am not the person to talk about that, so... Oh, same. Yeah, like, if you, you know, if if you can't, like, I don't know, if you can't stand, like, those kind of portrayals, then obviously that's okay. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's all based on to what, like, 
you personally can can stomach about the past because it's like right. I don't know the reason the reason I laugh about it obviously is because I find it absurd yeah. and kind of comical on how awful this is but you know obviously but I'm, I will yeah obviously yeah. I'm not the person to talk about it like in a serious way because you know I, I, I don't know anything about what <laughs> what it's like to be yeah. in those groups so but what I'm gonna say is obviously we're uh, we're not the right person to talk about racism of course but not. as as white privileged man we're not the uh, the the people to talk about that but yeah. if you're hearing us talk about those incredibly racist movies and you don't see what's wrong that you're kind of what's wrong in the world right now yeah that's the problem it's <laughs> i okay you you should probably it's probably yeah, ch- yeah. Ch- check this out you know yeah like i I have not... It, it's been a while, actually. Like, And this... I guess the, this could be saying something good for yeah. like the world around us. It's been a while since I've met somebody that, like, when faced with something like this, that they're just like, oh, I don't see anything wrong. It's been many years. Right. Uh, so I guess... I guess that's good. Maybe it's... Yeah, I mean, in, in person, because if we're talking oh, about yeah. just if anyone... We're talking, if we're talking about online, I see so, that every day. It's so easy... <laughs> Oh, every day. There's so many racist people oh, online. It's horrible, yeah. It's horrible. The internet can be a horrible place sometimes. Yeah, it's just oh god. <laughs> I mean, have you been to Twitter? Oh, of course. That place is awful. It's the worst. It's the worst place on the internet, and yet I'm still on it. <laughs> that's the main issue. Yeah. That's 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 what we got, I guess. But yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the internet can be the internet can be a great place. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of amazing stuff that's coming from the internet. I a lot owe, of times though, I owe yeah. pretty much everything about like what I'm doing as a life like goal right now to like the internet. Like if I never discovered like YouTube and saw people doing mm. all of this themselves, I would have never gotten into filmmaking. Yeah, I'm just saying and, that right now. Yeah, me too. And also, if it wasn't for, for the internet, we wouldn't have met, and we wouldn't be doing not. this podcast. Yeah. yeah, this wouldn't be a thing so, at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, the the internet can be so. It, it can be awful pretty. Sometimes. It can be pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know if you follow those accounts on Twitter. They'll like. Um, Suspect tweets and uh, crime <laughs> tweets. Yes, I've which are just people. Basically, people. Sometimes it's basically people admitting to crimes <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, I've seen some of those. Like it's just someone who says, uh, "Oh, I killed my mother" in a way that is clearly not sarcastic. It's just just then straight up admitting, "Oh yeah, I killed my mother." Yeah, and I think I saw that one. Yeah, the one that the one that shocked me the most that like caught me off mm-hmm. guard was there was, I don't know, there was one person who casually mentioned the fact that they killed a dog or something, and someone yeah. just someone just replied to me like, "Hey, what? <laughs> Can you say that again?" <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no, Twitter. No. Obviously, we won't stay on for too long, but Twitter's awful. No, that's that's really all we got to say about that. But mm-hmm. um, I guess if if you're wanting some some less racist uh oriented uh film history 
Uh, I would like that, yeah. Yeah, here's here's my other favorite piece of film history. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, where there was a man, I don't quite remember his name, but uh, he basically, he kind of pioneered, he, he was like, so you know how there's like the step in like an evolution line where it's like not quite the finished product, but it's also not quite the beginning? Mm-hmm. This man was the middle of that for regular cameras and video cameras. So he okay. he accidentally pioneered the like the idea of a video camera because he because oh, he decided he decided he, he was watching birds uh, and he was like I want to mm-hmm. take pictures of birds at several different states of flight. So he hollowed out a rifle and put like cameras in it. And when he wanted to go take a picture of a bird in like a few different states of flight, he just pointed up in the sky and just and took like five pictures at the same time. And then he, you know, he looked at him back and people were like, you know what? What if we kind of like made that? What if we kind of like kept going with that idea? Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of helped create the video camera. And that is oh. so funny to me that <laughs> there was that there was a guy out there who was like, I got an idea. How about I put guns in? How about I put camera in my guns? Oh, so good. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's not what I thought you were talking about. Um, but this reminds me of another thing, which is a guy who was working at uh, Kodak, who basically made the first ever video camera. Uh, that was back. I think that was back in the nineties, and it, it didn't work the way that modern. Um, modern video camera works but um it was kind of kind of like that yeah and kodak released it and it was a massive flop oh yeah Mm -hmm. and it's really funny how like you know his bosses were kind of like dude that's that's so stupid that's never gonna (laughs) that's never gonna work and well look here we are it's true yeah we had yeah a whole art form Basically due to mm-hmm. flukes. Yep. How amazing is that? Oh, that's great. So, um... Yep. Do we want to get into uh, choosing next week's movie? Sure. So, um... I, uh... I did something this past week. Okay. Uh, Alright, if it's what I think, then I'm very happy. I... But maybe I it's not. I binge-read... The entirety of the Silent Voice manga. I fucking knew it. So, I think that yeah. in this very special occasion, mm-hmm. I am going to override the randomizer so that for next week, we can talk about the Silent Voice movie adaptation. Awesome. Yep. I'm All so right. excited. Dude. Silent Voice is such a good film, and it's I so haven't good. seen it in a long time. It's been well, it's been a few months for me, but yeah, um, right. I'm very excited to talk about it because I won't obviously disclose all of it here, but uh, I watched a lot, or or, or I, like I noticed a lot of things in the manga that were pretty different from the movie, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited to discuss what changes were made and why I think it was a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just I'm really excited to talk about Silent Voice, obviously, because it's just it's good. It's a good movie. Right. So yeah. Hmm. That's uh that'll be next week's movie, Silent Voice. So keep a lookout for that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Me too. Um, so is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Hmm. Uh, honestly, <laughs> this is gonna sound so funny, but the yeah. the only side tangent other than the movie I had planned was. Uh, it was Fred the movie. That was the Fred movie trilogy. Right. That was the only side tangent I had planned. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything there else? Was, is there yeah. anything else you'd like to talk about? Well, there was one that I uh, th- that I wanted, but it's like a big tangent. Sure. So not in this episode, but next time. Okay. I think it would. Okay. I, I think it would fit with. Uh, well, I mean, it's, I'm not going to keep it a secret because it's useless. But it's like Ooh. we've got two episodes that have an anime tangent, but yet we've never really talked about like Western TV shows, like live action shows. That's true. We haven't. So I thought I thought it would be interesting to. I don't know how uh, how much TV you watch, but I don't watch too much I, TV nowadays. But right. I've obviously mm-hmm. watched a lot in the past, so that could be fun. Yeah. No. Uh, and I think it would fit. Uh, a sound voice more than memories of murder for sure yeah yeah <laughs> so all right all right all right well i think that's it for this episode sounds good to me yeah so thank you everyone for watching um yeah so you can follow in the description you can follow us on our different uh social medias you can also follow us on uh our youtube channels and uh yeah, you kind of do like the whole YouTuber thing of uh, yeah, like, comment, subscribe, follow, like, hit the bell, follow, follow us on Twitter, hit the bell. Yes. Uh, yes. Follow us on Letterboxd. I yes. like Letterboxd a lot. <laughs> yeah, Letterboxd a lot. Um, and yeah, no, thanks, uh, thanks again very much for uh, for watching through, you know, watching this entire conversation conversation of us just saying random shit about movies yep uh (laughs) and yeah we'll see you next week to talk about a sound voice all right yep sounds good to me Bye. bye guys